Mamas podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Edie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. It's Jess here today, and I'm really, really excited about this episode. I have my friend, Emily Boltice. I did it. I said it right. (laughs) You did. (laughs) And she is on here today, and we're actually doing... You know, we're going to start incorporating these episodes a little bit more, but we are sharing more birth story episodes. You guys have asked and requested, and I know it was something that I loved to listen to when I was pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant. Just one of those experiences that we all just, I think, you know, labor and delivery and pregnancy, it's something that we can read about and like conceptualize in our minds, but like hearing someone's story, whether it's the same or different than our own, I don't know. There's just some sort of like magic in that and knowing that like hundreds and thousands of millions of women have done this in different ways and that it's, that it's okay. So Emily, thank you for being on here. Thank you. I'm delighted to speak with you. Yeah. So Emily today we've connected online. I don't know. We've, it's been like over a year. I think that we've like been internet friends. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's been a while. And, and, you know, we've connected through Instagram and beauty counter and the podcast and, and all that good stuff. And it's really like one of the greatest joys of my life is just to really like take the one-sided connection that we have sometimes on the, on the podcast where people un- know us and really get to know you guys more. So I'm really, really excited to have Emily on. She today is really going to share her story, like I said, and her story kind of culminates in an experience that maybe she hadn't planned for. So I don't know if the term unplanned C-section is accurate. Would that be how you describe your birth experience like what 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 is it to you yeah i think you know an unplanned or unscheduled c section is definitely what it would be what okay. it would be called medically yeah okay. so you're you're spot on okay i i want to keep it very pc here and also go <laughs> into this is like like the episode that i did with julie bauer it was you know those are not science based like episodes where we like dig through the research and we offer medical opinions about things like this is really emily sharing her story. So I just want to put that out there into the world. Like, hopefully these are not meant to judge or shame or make you feel less than or, or anything like that. It's really just to share an experience and to hold the space for people sharing their experience and to maybe connect with people who've gone through similar experiences that are processing that as well. So that's why we're here. That's why we're sharing these stories. So hopefully you guys can go and to this with an open heart and mind, knowing that whatever we share today is not a reflection of anyone who had a similar or different experience. Would that be accurate, Emily? Yeah, absolutely. I think that sounds really good. 
Okay, perfect. So let me get, let me tell you a little bit about Emily because not only is she a rock star mama, which we all are, but she's she's got a really cool background. So Emily is a licensed independent clinical social worker providing psychotherapy services in the Twin Cities metro area. I can definitely hear your accent, which is amazing. I love it so much. <laughs> With an approach rooted in cognitive behavioral therapy, attachment theory, and mindfulness. Emily assists her patients in cultivating self-efficacy, personal awareness, and wellness. Her areas of expertise include co-occurring disorders, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, and women's health issues, including pregnancy, postpartum, fertility issues, and infant loss. Emily also serves as board president for the Minnesota chapter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And she loves her two black labs, podcasts, cycling, tacos, oh, girl after my own heart, and her family. Emily believes in every woman's ability ability to find power in her birth story and is passionate about helping women access the support and inner strength needed to live their fullest lives. Oh my gosh, you're you're a badass. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> it. I think you are too. <laughs> well, thank you. I just I mean, I I knew kind of your story, but I didn't really realize like how just, I think it's just kind of kismet. Like you're sharing your birth story, but you also have this very unique background in the like mindfulness and therapy and mental health world that I think is really going to make for a unique, a unique episode. So I'm really excited to have you friend. Good. Good. I'm really honored to be here. And I so appreciate you that you guys are putting stuff like that, this out into the world. Cause I think as women, we we want to celebrate each other and our diverse experiences. And so I appreciate you guys taking the time to do this. Absolutely. I'm excited for the next 45 minutes to an hour. I've got yeah. my yoga pants on. I'm standing. <laughs> I'm like doing stretches. I'm ready to like hear, hear the story and hold the space for you. But before we dive into the like nitty gritty, I like to do icebreaker questions. And honestly, I wish I could ask you like 10 different questions just to get to know you more, but <laughs> What is your favorite movie of all time? No judgment, no shame. <laughs> Can be anything. My first instinct when I when I saw that question was to say The Little Mermaid, but I think my my adult response to that question would probably be Dirty Dancing. I love Dirty Dancing. It's a good a good class. Oh my god! I was literally just <laughs> telling Tim I have had all the songs from Dirty Dancing in my head, and it was one of those movies it's such like good music. it's such good music. I watched it as a kid. I don't remember how early, and honestly, my parents were probably. I mean. People don't really look at stuff like that like they do today. It was probably way too young to be watching Dirty Dancing at that point. But I remember watching it so much. I know every single line. I thought Patrick Swayze was like a god. Yep, yep. (laughs) And like that movie is just so good. And I was telling Tim the other day, I'm like, the music, like, so good, and I really want to watch it. I don't think he's ever seen it. So you just reminded me to to re-add that back to my queue. I love it. I love you even more. (laughs) And also The Little Mermaid's a classic. So we can can say that. You can have two. Okay. (laughs) I love it. So I wanted to, I did a call for questions for this episode. And while I didn't have a ton of questions, what I did have was a lot of feedback. A lot of people really looking forward to hearing your story and really, really excited that we were kind of like what you expressed as well. Like, I'm so glad that you're doing this. 
this was my experience. And they kind of went on to share a little bit with me. And I've been struggling with it. I've been struggling with it ever since. Or I still have moments where I feel guilty, you know, for different things that happened. And if you don't mind, I I, I asked a couple of people if I could share some of their feedback before. But I just want to kind of reiterate go, before we go into the story, like, how I really think how crucial it is to hear stories like yours. Is that okay if I share some listener feedback? Of course, of course. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So I'm, and I'm doing all these anonymously. So one of my friends responded by saying her first was induced because of a velmantis cord insertion. And it was a hundred percent the right decision for many reasons. Her second was born in her OB's office six weeks early. Wow. I know. Crazy. She thought she was having Braxton Hicks. They turned into precipitous labor. And her third was born via C-section. She's an anomaly with such varied birth stories, but birth can't fit in a box. And people need to know that. She loves all that we're doing and loves today's episode, which this week's episode was he- was a heavy one. So that was her experience. And then another mama shares, she had an amazing birth with her first that was vaginal, vaginal, quote unquote, textbook, beautiful, peaceful, all those things that we, you know, imagine. And that's what she was expecting with her second. So when she came into the world seven weeks early via C-section and there was a NICU stay, needless to say, she was rocked. And she still is a little bit. She says, thanks for sharing these stories. I wish I had heard more prior to, to my own. So that's that's really, really, really why we're here, right? Like, yeah, I think absolutely. to normalize birth in all of its many ways, shapes, and forms. And that's, that's where we're showing up for. We're going to hold the space. And I'm really excited to hear your story. Are you ready, friend? Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm so ready. I'm looking forward to this very much. Okay. So... The this episode, like I said, it's going to be pretty casual. I'm not really going to really interrupt a lot unless I I feel like it's something that I, you expounding on would be beneficial for the listeners. But I just want you to walk us through your story from wherever it feels natural, preconception, pregnancy, all the way up to the current day, and maybe into the future where you see yourself, you know, in years moving forward and let's let's hear it friend tell us tell us about your story awesome well thank you again you know a disclaimer that i just want to mention obviously I had a very unplanned c-section i relate to it really positively i completely understand that that's not every woman's story i think i had a couple factors a lot of factors you know in my story itself but even prior to pregnancy or birth my mom had two c-sections and she always talked about them as a really special magical experience and i have my professional background right so i went into pregnancy and birth with the perspective that i think helped me not to be or to be able to orient positively to the experience so as i'm talking i just i feel like that's important background information to have about me it sort of sets sets the stage a little bit so my husband and I were lucky to conceive really, really quickly. And I know that we were very fortunate in that way. Leading up to conception, I spent a lot of energy getting to know my cycle, nourishing my body in a variety of different ways, certainly through like good health habits and things like that. But but also really taking care of my mindset, my relationship with my husband, and my relationship with my body too. I had some unusual physical health issues as an early adolescent that were pretty scary. And so I've really intentionally worked to cultivate trust in my body's wisdom and and belief that my body's capable of seeking health in all circumstances. And I think that work was really, was really huge for me. Also, acupuncture is a huge cornerstone of my personal wellness, and it certainly played a huge role in my conception, pregnancy, and postpartum health. 
health. I'd super highly recommend uh, acupuncture to anyone in this chapter of life. I think it's it's amazing. So I love that you shared that you relate very positively to your experience. Would you say that there was anything that you kind of mentioned in this this like preconception conception phase mm-hmm. that if you could pinpoint it, anything or a few things that really helped you go into that experience, you know, could you, or is it just um, from a place that like, yeah, you're, you can't really pinpoint? No, I mean, I think, you know, I think a huge part of it was cultivating a team that was really specific to who I was as a person, right? Like mm. none of us are going to learn obstetrics in a nine month period. <laughs> and so finding a team of humans that are well suited to you. I think that was a huge part of it for me. So for me, I felt more comfortable working with an OB. I think midwives are incredible, but I felt more comfortable working with an OB. Mm -hmm. I had the wisdom of my acupuncturist, who is someone so wise and dear to me. You know, I had stuff set up in the community if I need it. Like I had a pelvic floor physical therapist and some lactation support. I had it, I have an incredible just community of women around me. I think maybe if I can pinpoint anything, I think having support around me and a team of people that were really tailored to who I am as a person um, helped me to feel safe and and confident within sort of preconception and conception and, and pregnancy. Okay, perfect. Sorry, I had to interject. No, Continue, great. please. No, it's great. It's <laughs> great. So I, I had a really unremarkable pregnancy for the most part. I dealt with a lot of the usual discomforts that a lot of women deal with, like nausea and incredible fatigue and food aversions. I had some sciatica and some hip pain, but generally everything went really smoothly. Because of the work I do, I think the first half of my pregnancy was perhaps more worry-filled than other women. I know a lot of us obviously worry about things going wrong in early pregnancy, but my job in involves literally sitting with women sometimes all day long, um, talking about those really hard things. And so that was really challenging for me at times, just to kind of stay in my own body and stay present. But overall, I felt incredibly supported by my providers and my family and my friends. And so everything went pretty well. In terms of how I prepared for birth, practically speaking, you know, my husband and I went to a day-long prenatal class that taught about labor and birth and newborn care and breastfeeding. And I think that was helpful in the sense that it got us both on the same page um, and operating from the same knowledge base. I read books from sources that were meaningful to me. I think there's so much information out there. We live in a culture of information overload. So I was really intentional in choosing what I wanted to read and also what I wasn't going to read or what I was going to screen out. I really restricted my Google usage, um, which is hard. But Dr. I really Google. tried to get information. <laughs> I know, Dr. Google's a problem. (laughs) So I tried to really get information from that team of people who I trusted and who knew me. Again, I made that decision to work with an OB and to have a hospital birth. I I personally believe it's very possible to have a woman baby-centered birth in a hospital setting. I think birth centers are wonderful and and, and I think think that there's space for women to have hospital births and be sort of health-minded individuals. It's what made me feel the most safe. And so that was sort of the plan we went in with. I think it's important for me to mention that I did not have a birth plan. Professionally, I, I don't actually recommend the women I work with have birth plans. I recommend being an informed consumer of whatever healthcare services you're choosing to receive. Certainly choosing 
providers intentionally based on whatever your needs are and not what you think you're supposed to do and identifying preferences for your birth based on evidence-based information. Labor rarely goes the way that we plan for and professionally and you know in my practice I see a lot of women who who struggle postpartum in ways that are truly unavoidable because they went into birth with a very rigid framework for what success would look like. I'm raising my so hand over right. here. Because yeah, right. That was me. I just want to like it's, it's not just if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, that was me. Like it's not just you. That was me, heavily, heavily totally. with my first experience. So thank right, you. For but saying that's that. exactly why. Yeah, that's why it's so important that we widen our conversation about what birth can look like mm-hmm. and what successful birth looks like. We don't need women to feel like failures over issues that are completely out of their control. Mm-hmm. So that was probably a big part of my success too, not having a rigid rigid birth plan because um, things definitely didn't go the way I, I would have hoped them to. So our story starts to get exciting around my 38-week prenatal appointment. I went in for my usual visit and my blood pressure was a little high and I had been active and eating well throughout my pregnancy. I have no history of any blood pressure problems. So it was a surprise. I've I've since learned that blood pressure problems in pregnancy kind of occur on a spectrum, if if you will, with different levels of concern. So like on the less problematic end of that spectrum would be um, like plain old elevated blood pressure in the third trimester, which can be totally normal. And then more concerning than that would be gestational hypertension. More concerning than that would be like preeclampsia. And beyond that would be HELP syndrome, which is a medical emergency and incredibly serious. So my blood pressure was teetering between that normal place and gestational hypertension, which is something that needs to be watched, obviously. My doctor that day, she suggested... I think that appointment was on a Thursday. She said, you know, hey, I'm on call on Sunday. Why don't you come in to triage at labor and delivery? We can check your blood sugar, or I'm sorry, blood pressure, make sure that you're all good. And then you don't have to rearrange any of your patient appointments for the following week. And she was really calm about it, which really kept me feeling calm. My OB was wonderful in a lot of ways, but this was one way she took especially fantastic care of me personally. She really gave me a lot of consistent, honest reassurance and information about my baby and my pregnancy. She also validated consistently how hard my position was as someone who works in reproductive mental health. And she urged me to contact her whenever I needed to for extra reassurance or to come in and hear a heartbeat or whatever I needed. And I I just really appreciated that she sort of saw my needs as clearly as she did and was so responsive. So, so that's what we did. We went into labor and delivery that Sunday night, which was kind of weird, as you can imagine, right? Like 38 weeks pregnant, we could, you know, I think at that point I was 39 weeks pregnant. You know, we could totally have a baby that night, but also not really wanting that to be what happened. So they monitored us for several hours because when I got there, my blood pressure still wasn't in a great place. So they ran labs to make sure I didn't have preeclampsia, which Luckily, I did not. And after a while, they sent us home, which was good. But my doctor that night did say, you know, Emily, if you don't need to be working right now, probably best for your blood pressure that you that you not. And her permission to stop working was a tremendous gift to me. Not that we should necessarily need permission, but I did. Yeah, um, I had hoped to work up until delivery, something I totally would not recommend if you can help it. But her urging me to like stop, rest, and put myself first made such a huge difference to me. And that rest ended up being completely essential, I think, in our story. So I just really appreciated her that. I love <laughs> in that. that. I, I really do. And I think... You know, I don't know if you listened to the episode with Katie Collins talking about, you know, motherhood and like working and it really mostly centered on like postpartum expectations. But I think also it's like, 
I remember working up until the, like, literally the day on my feet in the clinic, like, with both of my pregnancies, I was out on the, like, soccer field, you know, with my kiddos, like, in the heat, doing athletic training, and it's like... I, I realize not not everybody has the luxury, and I surely didn't have the right. luxury of taking off early, and I was trying to save up all of my maternity leave or my FMLA so that I could be with my kiddo, and it's, it's just a really, yeah. you make a really good point, because had I known that my labor would process would be so arduous and physically and mentally hard, like, gosh what I wouldn't have give, given to have some rest in those previous days. So totally, that's, that's amazing and, totally. and a really amazing nod to your healthcare provider because you're right, we shouldn't need permission, but the reality of the situation is a lot of times we need it, right? Like we need to yeah. hear someone else yep. say it out loud and that's just amazing that she kind of held the space for you in that. So, okay, I'm, I'm totally. not going to interrupt totally. No, you're no, I appreciate it. I have kind of a woo-woo side to me. And when I when I look back at this, right, like four and a half months later, I really believe that like perhaps the whole purpose of this blood pressure scare was to get me to rest because that's not my forte as a human being. Um, so I'm it all really worked out. And so resting is what I basically did for the next two weeks. I thought I was going to be bored out of my mind and that time would pass super slowly, but that wasn't the case at all. By that time in my pregnancy, I was feeling like I had worked an entire work week just by getting myself ready to go to work in the morning. I was Mm -hmm. positively drained. So I honestly spent most of the next two weeks sleeping, which is not like me in any way, shape or form. In stress, I struggle with insomnia. And so the fact that I could, you know, nap and sleep the way I was sleeping was just reinforcing that like that was exactly where I needed to be at home, sort of holding space for myself and my baby. Gosh, um, and so in between... Oh, sorry, go well, ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, isn't it amazing how I truly looking back and look at like my, both of my pregnancies as a time where I, I like it was being used in ways far beyond what I understood, forcing me to let go of the like shoulds and the, the like, I need to be doing X, Y, Z. And of course you get that burst of energy and you're like nesting and there's, there's moments of energy, but there's also (laughs) moments where you're like, I have to lay down. If I do not lay down, Mm -hmm. I will fall asleep with my eyes like I'll fall asleep standing up right here in front of somebody. And like, it just really forces you to tune in. And ugh, I'm so grateful for that because it's like, you can take yeah. those feelings into your real life after you, in postpartum, you know, it's harder, yeah. but like, this is what it's like to like rest, to truly rest. And anyways, I think that's yes. also magical. No. Yes, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. So in between resting, I was going in for blood pressure checks a couple times a week just to make sure that that was staying in sort of a safe place. And I also ramped up my acupuncture visits. So acupuncture can be really helpful with inducing labor. I hope I say this correctly, but in acupuncture, there's what they call the forbidden points. And these are points in acupuncture that you don't want to use unless you're over 39 weeks pregnant because it draws your energy downward. But when it comes to like wanting to go into labor, that's really helpful. So I was going to acupuncture two or three times a week and they were like a cheer squad for me. They were so lovely. And that was just a, a way that I felt really nourished and cared for during that those two weeks that I was, I was waiting for baby. I also started drinking raw Chinese herbs to, that can help with getting labor going and also just making your body strong. I think my care team is a really great example of of 
how you can have conventional medicine and more holistic care providers. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like we can find the gray if the gray is what works for you. And as women, we should all be empowered to choose a care team that's well suited to us, not what we think we're supposed to do. So I think, you know, my story can be a good example of that for people if if they're looking for the gray, which can sometimes be hard. So between week 39 and 40, I was pretty consistently dilated about one centimeter. That's not enough to do a membrane sweep. I was in and out of prodromal label for about two weeks, which if you've had that is like pretty profoundly uncomfortable. I can totally understand why women present to labor and delivery thinking that they're in labor and they're not. It's it's really hard. It's really hard. Um, I had it with both of mine. There's so much yeah. time in. It's, it's apparently yeah, a lot more normal totally. than people realize, but yes, it right. is, it's a mind yeah physically and mentally exhausting. (laughs) Totally, totally. So when I went in for my 40-week visit, the day after my due date, my provider suggested that I schedule an induction for 41 weeks if my baby hadn't arrived on his own by the end of the week. And initially, I had really mixed feelings about that, which I think is really interesting. You know, reflectively, I, I honestly think it's a little sad that I questioned myself about that. I think I was really familiar with the messaging of like, you know, be patient. Your body knows what to do. Your baby will come when he's ready. And I and I believe all of those things very, very much. However, I also think it's really important for all of us to remember that the use of conventional medical interventions when appropriate isn't a reason for shame or mistrust. And, you know, I wish I had known that at the time because I think I I spent a little bit too much time thinking about whether or not it was the right decision. It was for me, given that my blood pressures were continuing to teeter and given that I knew my baby was really well cooked, that I had been caring for my body in literally every humanly way possible. I just intuitively felt like it was the right thing to do. Even though it was totally not what I wanted or or what I had imagined, it just felt right. I think it was the right decision for my baby and me. I also really felt like, you know, this isn't just my story, right? Like, yes, you know, I think sometimes we say like, oh, all that matters is a healthy baby. And I don't believe that's true. I think a woman's experience in birth is incredibly important. But I knew that it wasn't just my story. And I felt like our story as, you know, mom and baby needed to move forward. So I hoped he would come before that 41 week mark, but, you know, made the plan to induce at 41 weeks. And as I was leaving my act, yeah. I was going to ask you, do you feel like and I think this goes back to like what you said earlier about really, really having a care team around you that you trusted and that you chose and that you really valued and felt safe with. Do you feel like because y'all had established this relationship that this recommendation on the part of your care team, do you feel like that played a big part in in you being more I guess, accepting, I mean, obviously you expressed that you have some, you had some fear around it or some like thoughts around it, but like, do you feel that intuitively this is the right thing? Do you think it had to do with that at all, that you had a care team you really trusted? I think it was a combination of that for sure, but also feeling just really in tune with my body mm. and and just having like an intuitive sense of of how to move forward. But absolutely, a recommendation from a provider means so much more when you know that they see you mm. and not just, you know, one more person that they're seeing that day, but like really see you. And I absolutely felt that way. Um, so that definitely helped. That's amazing. And I, and I, I wanted to ask that because I feel like I think you've done, you did such amazing work to get to know your body and, you know, so in tune with it. And I feel like I personally didn't 
start that work until after my births, probably after both yeah. of my births. And so, you know, if, if sure. a mom is struggling and being like, I don't feel like I'm in tune, I'm trying, you know, a, a big a big part of that decision, if they were ever placed into the same situation, would be if you if you're struggling with being in tune with yourself, make make sure the people that are giving you advice in something like this that you really do trust. I think I think that's huge. And we talked about this offline a little bit before. Is that you know really feel like choosing your care team can play a big role. I think in mm-hmm. that. You know, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and a lot of us confuse intuition and anxiety. And so having someone externally to help you differentiate the two is so helpful, whether that's, you know, a really supported partner or, you know, a medical provider or a therapist, that's confusing for almost Mm. all of us, especially during situations where stress is high. Oh my gosh, that is such a good point. I want to deep dive into that later too, but continue, please. (laughs) We're getting getting to the the meat. The good, the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. You know, speaking to providers though, I remember as I was leaving my acupuncturist, my induction was scheduled for a Sunday. And I think on a Friday I was leaving my acupuncture office and my acupuncturist saw me. She was walking out of the clinic at the same time. And she knew that induction wasn't what I wanted. And that was seemingly looking like where we were headed. And she said, you know, Emily, you're so much stronger than you were two weeks ago. And what matters is that this feels right to you. And that interaction is just like so special to me. And the fact that she, who's like a very, you know, holistically minded healthcare provider, like grabbed me and said that to me, just meant the world to me. It was like another sign from the universe that this is, that I was doing the right thing. And I appreciate her so much for that. So we went in for our induction or we were planned, we were scheduled to go in on a Sunday morning. Um, And that's, Saturday night, my husband and I really kind of made the most of having the gift of being able to plan when we were going to the hospital. So we we dropped off our two black labs at my parents' house and went out for dinner at one of our favorite restaurants. And it was it's just like the sweetest memory I have of, you know, I was so pregnant, like I could eat approximately like three tablespoons of food, but we had the most lovely night and we stopped at Target and got some snacks and and then settled in for our last night at home, just the two of us. So we headed to the hospital the next morning and a funny detail, but one that's very significant to me. As we were walking from the parking ramp into the hospital, I saw a giant flock of wild turkeys, which happens in Minnesota, not like every day, but, but it was unusual. And don't ask me why I know this and you might laugh at me, but I know that turkeys are are a spiritual symbol of fertility. And I took so much comfort in that flock of turkeys. And I said like to my husband, I'm like, Dustin, look, those they're turkeys. Look, like everything's going to be fine. And he was like, yes, Emily. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, I did not like, know turkeys in- were for a sign of fertility. Learn something new every day. Right. I know. So there you can carry that with you, if okay. nothing else, from this episode. <laughs> so when we got up to the floor, we were warmly welcomed settled into our room. Everyone knew who we were and why. I didn't feel rushed at all. We were able to calmly get ourselves settled, which is, you know, a little bit of a luxury. A lot of times you don't get to do that, but that is, you know, one of the pros of induction. As we were getting settled, all of the doctors and nurses, they'd come up to um, my belly and they'd, they'd look at me and they'd feel my belly and they were making bets on the size of my baby, which is a little foreshadowing for you. So the highest guess was um, eight pounds, eight ounces. And little did we know I had a nine pound, nine pound five ounce baby hanging out inside of me. Wow. Kind of a, yeah. That is awesome. 
Yeah. So they're just, we're thinking like everything is going to go very normally. Everything was looking good. For anyone who isn't familiar with induction, there's a bunch of different methods that you can use to get labor started. A lot of people assume that Pitocin is part of that, but that's not necessarily true. So the resident who was working with me at that time was super lovely. Because I wasn't fully effaced yet, they wanted to start by ripening my cervix. So they used a medication that they inserted vaginally. And pretty quickly after that was administered, I started to get really crampy, much more than what I had been dealing and dealing with in that two weeks prior. After I had fully effaced several hours later, later they recommended a balloon catheter that uh, helps your cervix um, sort of manually start to dilate. It's essentially, and I might describe not describe this perfectly, but it's like a balloon that's inserted and filled with water and that helps to, to manually dilate the cervix. And I remember getting really emotional when they mentioned this. I think part of it was that it just sounded very uncomfortable. And I think I also just realized like, okay, like this is like, this is really happening now. Here we go. And the resident commented to me at that point, she, she's like, I'm like, this is really hard. She was so acknowledging of some of the unique difficulties inherent in induction. She was super warm and validating and really patient with me. So they put the catheter in and it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it would be, but it was incredibly effective. So very quickly, my contractions ramped up and I was in really tremendous pain. I didn't go into labor expecting it to be comfortable, but I didn't quite know that it would hurt like that. I think a lot of us feel that way. And so pretty soon I was like walking the room, pacing, making very loud noises that my husband was probably very shocked to hear. But we like went from like, okay, we're fully a face to like, we are, we are in labor. One other thing I wanted to mention, because I was being induced, I had to have continuous monitoring, which is something I often hear women talk about really negatively, but I just want to share a different perspective. I actually took a ton of comfort in that monitoring. Our hospital had wireless monitors, so I could walk around the floor and be up around my room, which was really lovely. But I also found great comfort in being able to look over through a really awful contraction and see that my baby's heart rate was okay. That really brought me a ton of, a, a ton of peace. So I had really fast and furious contractions about two minutes apart with very little break. My body had just responded really well and quickly to the interventions we had chosen. And apparently my acupuncture said that sometimes doing acupuncture can cause your body to be just incredibly receptive to the interventions. So around 1 a.m., the resident came in and noticed that that balloon had slipped down, which is good. It means that you're dilating more. And around that time, I opted for some pain meds. So Going into labor, I did not have the goal of an unmedicated birth. For me, my goal was to really stay connected to my body and my baby during labor. That was what my goal was. And knowing myself and my body well enough, I knew that an unmedicated birth wouldn't be a good option for myself. I think unmedicated births are beautiful and powerful, but I don't know that we always get the opportunity to hear about health-conscious people who opt for a medicated birth. And that's how I identify myself. I made that decision for pain interventions proudly and boldly, and I would do it again. And I think we, as women, we need more examples of making empowered decisions in birth that are right for our body, not what we feel like we should be doing. I know you mentioned shoulds earlier, so I think that's so important. So I had those pain meds and got ready to get some sleep. And I had been up for about 20 hours at that point, so I was pretty exhausted. So I rolled over in bed and I felt like a snap. And immediately my contractions got way worse again. I went to the bathroom to see if anything had happened and nothing was going on. So I went back to bed and I just felt like something was really strange. I felt really uncomfortable. So I pushed my call button and the nurse and the resident came in and I just said, guys, like, I just feel like something's kind of, kind of weird. And the resident said, do you mind if I just, I check you? And as I moved, 
to have her check me. My water broke all over the floor, like movie style. <laughs> and it, it just, it would not stop. I was completely mortified, not that I needed to be. The resident, she literally like cheered, jumped and clapped. It was very adorable. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, it was it was a funny moment. And so my husband got up and we looked at each other like, okay, like there's not going to be any sleep happening <laughs> tonight. So my contractions obviously continued to get worse as they do. Everything was progressing really quickly. The overnight nurse, she said, you're going to have a baby by lunchtime. They, they set up the delivery table in my room. Eventually, a couple hours later, I was ready for an epidural, which I got. The pain to, for me and my body was pain of an epidural was nothing compared to uh, the pain of contractions. And we were able to get a couple hours of sleep at that point once I had the epidural. So in the early hours of Monday morning, then we decided to start a really low dose of Pitocin. I felt really nervous about Pitocin as well. I think there's a lot of misinformation about Pitocin in the world, but talking to my doctors about how and why Pitocin was going to be used and how they were going to tailor it specifically to me and my labor made me feel so much better. It helped me understand why it was really important that my labor continue to progress. And it represents that like medical technology in and of itself isn't a problem. Sometimes the way it's used can be a problem. But again, having doctors that were treating me as, you know, as Emily, as an individual, helped me just feel really comfortable with the plan that they had for my care. At that point, I was assigned a nurse named Laura who is someone I will just always, always remember. She was lovely and so good at her job. She was funny when I needed her to be funny. She let me ugly cry when I needed to weep. She was just an incredible ally during um, a really beautiful, but also really hard and emotional day. Ugh, gosh, so, thank God for, yeah. thank God for nurses I, and doctors, but like, I know, thank God know. for that. Like, I just, I've never met a Laura I did not like. And so, right. It's a good name. <laughs> it's, it's a, a really great good name. <laughs> Yes, yes. So at about 9 a.m., I started to get really sick to my stomach. Nausea in labor is really awful. Also, my son's heart rate started to drop whenever I was in a position other than on my left side. In addition to that, I started to have some issues with my epidural. So the issues I had, I like disclaimer, so rare. Um, this is not common, but essentially when you get an epidural, you have what's called a, a bolus of medication, which is essentially like that first surge of medication. And my body wouldn't hold the bolus. So I needed several more of them because I would be great and good. And then within a couple hours, it would completely diminish. That's not normal. They're not sure if that had to do with how my body metabolized the medicine or, or how it was placed. But that was a low point for sure. The nausea having to be on my left side and the, the pain issues, that was really, really hard. And Laura was just, she couldn't have been more supportive. She took me so seriously. She fully acknowledged that going from having managed pain to completely unmanaged back and forth and back and forth was a really scary roller coaster to be on. Because also I had to be on my left side because of my baby's heart rate, I started to get a really, my neck was really uncomfortable. So she came and she gave me this, this neck, neck rub and I put a hat pack on my neck and I passed out. I was just fried. And so things start to get a little bit fuzzy around here for me. Some of this has been like brought back into my mind with help from my husband and my providers after the fact. But at this point, it had been well over 24 hours with very little sleep and things start to get really hard. And I know that our brains sometimes by design don't remember things like this as a way of protecting us. So I remember Laura, the nurse, I remember her walking into my room and she started fanning me saying like, we really need to cool you off. I don't remember this, but they had taken my temperature and 
and I had spiked a fever. They drew my blood. I remember them saying to my husband, you know, we want this to come back below something or other to make sure that I didn't have an infection. Well, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And I had developed an infection that's called chorioamnionitis. It's called chorio for short. It's a bacterial infection that causes inflammation of fetal membranes. It poses a risk to both mom and baby. So mom gets it first, but can pass it to baby. It affects about 2% of pregnancies from what I understand. I don't remember being told that I had an infection, but I remember laying in the bed and, and Laura was standing on my right and my husband was on my left. And I remember Laura saying to me like, Emily, because you have this infection, when your baby's born, we're going to have to send him to the special care nursery. And I like took a minute to register that. And I just broke down crying because I don't know why that had not registered to me that like a healthy person with a healthy pregnancy and like seemingly a labor that was going really well would have a baby that needed to go to special care, which just in case anyone doesn't know, is sort of like a step down from a NICU. That was a really hard part of our story. And then after that, the doctor came in, the doctor who was on call, to talk to me more about the infection. She explained that for some women, this infection can lead to a dysfunctional labor, meaning that things don't progress the way they should. Long story made very short, my body stalled at nine centimeters for about six hours with incomplete pain control, a body that was pretty depleted from lack of sleep and an infection. And so some point in there, towards the end of that six hours, the doctor came in and she sat down. She immediately acknowledged that things weren't going the way that we wanted it to. And she said that she wanted to do everything that she could in her power to help us have as positive of an experience as was possible from here forward. She asked me at that point how I felt about C-sections, just generally speaking. And I said, you know, I don't have negative feelings about C-sections, but I'm not there yet. I felt kind of like if you've ever done an endurance race where you're uncomfortable, but you're just like, you're focused. That was how I felt. And so I was kind of like, I'm not, I'm not done yet. And so then she said, you know, great. And I need to level with you about some things. She said that because of the infection, I, we couldn't keep my baby inside indefinitely because it was going to put him at a greater risk for this infection. She also said that it was possible that I would never dilate to a 10 because of how the infection was affecting um, my uterus. So she told me, you know, we can wait up to another two hours to see if you dilate to a 10. I'm all for that if that's what you want to do. But if you do get to a 10 and you start pushing, we can only let you push for, I think she said like an hour-ish or something like that because your body and this baby are too taxed. So if, you know, you push for an hour, like, and he's not out, we're going to have to do a C-section. She also said, you know, you can also make the call whenever you're ready that it's time. This interaction, like the reality of our situation hit me squarely in the face. I, I don't think I registered that the infection was as, was serious at that point. I thought it was just sort of like one other, you know, a little blip. I, I so appreciated how direct that doctor was with me. It was this well-timed kind directness, which was exactly what I needed. But the, the biggest gift she gave me in that interaction was choice, which is so huge. There's an amazing book that I'd highly recommend to anyone who's interested. It's called A Good Birth. It's by a doctor named Anne Lyerly, I think is her last name. And she talks about, she did a study in 2006 that explored, you know, what are the factors that make women perceive that they had a positive versus negative birth experience? It has nothing to do with a medicated or unmedicated 
advocated birth or a vaginal or cesarean birth, nothing. She identified things like control, agency, personal security, respect, and knowledge. And the way that my birth was handled that day embodied literally all of these factors. I believe birth is so much more than just a biological event. And that day, I was treated like a whole dynamic person that was such an active participant in her process. And I'm so grateful for that. I remember, I'm in tears. I'm, I'm like, oh. I just, um, <laughs> I feel like I just want that for, for a lot of people, for everyone, for every woman deserves that. And yeah, uh, I just wish that were the case across the board. And I guess like sometimes yeah. I feel overwhelmed that there's so much work to be done because I feel called right. to be a part of that. But I also am like so grateful for you to share the story and to know that like, it can be this way. So I'm so sorry to interrupt, Aww. but I'm just like, no, please don't apologize. Uh, I appreciate, me right I appreciate in the heart. you sharing that. <laughs> okay, continue. We are so excited to announce a brand new podcast sponsor. We are loving our Comrade Compression Socks. We've been using them for a couple months now, and so far they have been amazing. They are wonderful for whatever ails you, whether it's Soreness after a workout, or you're looking for improved recovery time. Maybe you're looking to increase blood flow after a day at the desk. Maybe you're traveling, perhaps in a van, and you would like to just make sure you're loving on your feet on the go. These are awesome for everyone in every stage, especially mamas who are suffering from things like swollen ankles or maybe those pesky varicose veins. They're amazing. So they're not your average compression socks. They're very sexy, Mm -hmm. very cute. You can wear these out in public and you will be the talk of the town. We highly, highly recommend them. You do you. You can get your socks and support the podcast by shopping for your comrade socks and using code MODERNMAMAS for 15% off. Enjoy. Hey friends, Laura and I are so excited to share that we've partnered with Beekeepers Naturals to bring you the latest buzz around some incredible plant-based and healing hive products that we've both absolutely fallen in love with. This company is not only creating hive-based products to solve modern health challenges naturally, but they're doing so with a huge goal to save the bees, which I absolutely adore. You guys know that I'm obsessed with coffee. You also know that I'm always on the lookout for ways to try and cut back. I swear the caffeine-free Beelixir Brain Fuel works better than any cup of coffee I've ever had at making me feel focused, energized, and actually a lot more even. I also recently took their propolis spray with me during airplane travels and used it as an immune support over the course of my trip. I came back with zero sniffles. The tickle in my throat was totally gone. It is amazing, and I swear by it for immune support. I really also... I'm just kind of low-key obsessed with the Bee Chill Hemp Honey Sticks. They have been incredible for my anxiety. After doing all the things during the day, a honey stick paired with a good meditation makes me feel the chillest. We love this company and their products so much that we've partnered with them to bring you a special discount just for Modern Mamas listeners. Get 15% off your order by visiting beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash Modern Mamas and use the code Modern Mamas at checkout. It's that simple. Hi friends, Laura here with some exciting news. Four Sigmatic has come on as a Modern Mamas podcast sponsor. We are so excited. If you've been following along with my Instagram stories, especially, you've seen that I use this stuff every single morning. The Lion's Mane Elixir is my absolute favorite. I add it to my boosted coffee for an extra boost of brain clarity, productivity, and focus that I genuinely did not experience until I started adding this in every day. They also make other elixirs like Rishi for calming, Cordyceps for an energy boost, and Chaga for an immune boost. 
Along with those elixirs, they also have really cool blends. I love the Lion's Mane and Coffee blend when I travel because I don't have to worry about getting my hands and lips on high quality coffee. I have it ready to go. All you need is hot water, you mix in the blend and you're set. They have caffeine-free options as well, like a chai latte and a turmeric latte for gut health and skin glow, and all they have all kinds of incredible blends. I cannot recommend enough that you go check out their website, find whatever mushroom blend is going to fit with your lifestyle, and give it a try. The awesome folks at Four Sigmatic have offered our listeners, you guys are special, you get 15% off any order. If you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash modern mamas or simply type in modern mamas, all lowercase, all one word at checkout, you get 15% off. Check it out, see what fits your life, and happy shrooming. Okay, I remember around that time I asked Laura, my nurse, I, I said, I like, I know you can't tell me what to do, but like, what would you do though? And she said, you know, Emily, I'm really good at getting babies out. And I really don't like what your uterus is doing right now. I can't imagine a more perfect thing that she could have said to me, even though I completely put her on the spot. So I made at that point a pros and cons list, and then also a list of questions that I had for the doctor. And she had agreed to come back at about seven And she answered all of my questions, the serious ones, the silly ones. She took me so seriously. She wasn't rushed in the least. I think she was at my bedside for at least 30 minutes. She didn't look at a pager. She didn't look at the clock. She gave me her full attention, her full self. And I will say that this was probably one of the hardest decisions of my life. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to make it because I know some women don't get that opportunity, but it was really, really difficult. As I was sort of thinking about this, the things that kept coming up for me is I I don't want to feel like I'm giving up and I don't want to feel like my body had failed. Those those were really important things to me. I felt really strongly though that I wasn't going to gamble my baby's health for my experience. I believe that a necessary C-section is an act of love and I don't believe that birth is a test to pass. So after the doctor left, after she had very thoroughly answered all my questions, I I said, you know, I just want to talk to my husband for a minute. And everyone left the room and I looked at my husband, his name is Dustin. I just said, I I have to have a C-section. I I just, I knew. And he sort of nodded and he he said, you know, I know, but I needed that to be your decision. Whew, which I really appreciate. He's he sounds he like was a keeper. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, he is a keeper. <laughs> So once I said, go, Jess, things moved really quickly. And I think that was a surprise to me. Again, I just don't think as I was in this, I registered how serious things were. So my husband changed into scrubs and we were off to the OR. I want to say that I think all women who birth, however they birth, are complete warriors. I am just in awe of any woman that gives birth. But there's something about C-section mamas that's especially brave and warrior-like. And I think that's why I feel so fiercely proud to be one. So when you have a C-section, you're wheeled into an operating room by yourself. It's probably not a familiar environment. You're prepped for surgery awake, probably alone. You hopefully have someone narrating to you about what's going on, but you you might not. You have major surgery completed on you typically while you are awake. And while you're free of pain, you are not free of sensation. That was a total surprise to me. So you can feel sensation happening, which is, it felt kind of eerie to me, to be very honest. And I want to be really clear. <laughs> the, the medical community did not passively remove my baby from my body. I birthed my baby that day. Our culture has so much 
negative rhetoric surrounding C-sections. And professionally, I, I feel like that's a huge factor in birth trauma, our culture's dialogue about C-sections. I, I think in some ways, C-sections themselves represent the over-medicalization of birth, which is certainly a problem. But I am so grateful that C-sections exist, that we have technology that keeps moms and babies safe when things happen in labor that we can't overcome. I think that's so magical and so amazing. So I remember them saying, you're going to feel a lot of pressure. And I figured this was them pulling my baby out. And the anesthesiologist cued my husband to stand up. And so he got to watch our son being pulled out. He screamed right away, which I appreciated. And I obviously melted into a puddle of tears. I remember one of the OBs saying, he's a big boy. And he he really was. He was nine pounds, five ounces and over 22 inches long. He was huge. <laughs> wow. Um, and you then, are a rock I know. star. <laughs> so then Dustin went into a small side room off of the OR and the anesthesiology said to me, they're going to go into that room and it's going to feel like 20 minutes, but it's going to be about five. And I appreciated her heads up because she was right. It felt like a very long time. Meanwhile, surgery is obviously still going on. So they came out and they put my son, his name is Owen. They put him on my chest. And I remember saying to him over and over, like, we did it. We did it. One of the most probably profound and special moments of my birth was, you know, they gave me my son and he reached his hand out and he touched my face and he just held my face and stared at me. And we have a picture of it. It's just, it's such a precious picture. I didn't get that golden hour the way I had imagined it and the way that I heard about it. And I feel some sadness about that, but I got that moment of being in the OR with my son after going through so much and him just reaching out and connecting with me. And that moment is pure magic to me and something I'll always carry with me. Oh my gosh, so, I can't stop crying. <laughs> I don't know if I can do these episodes anymore. <laughs> I just think that's wonderful. And just it was very special. Oh, so special. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> I'm just, I'm glad um, I'm on mute over here. Like, let's just let's put that out there. Right. You're doing great. So, uh, because my son had to go to the special care nursery, there was a there was a, a team for him, and one of the nurses from the special care nursery said, like, okay, it's been ten minutes. I have to take him. And so Dustin and and uh, the nurses took my son to the special care nursery. Dustin and I had agreed beforehand that if for any reason. I was separated from the baby that he should go with the baby. Um, and so he did. I I found that incredibly painful. I wanted to be with my son so badly, but I had to finish surgery. And I had to wait in recovery until 10.30 p.m. because they needed to make sure that I was stable after a pretty significant medical procedure. I remember I was like fighting a fatigue. I was so tired, but I did not want to miss that 10.30 mark. And so when it was finally 10.30, they wheeled my entire bed down to the special care nursery. And they had to do that anytime I went to see him for a while. I could only stay with him for about 30 minutes because of what my medical needs were. And that was so difficult to leave and to see him attached to all those wires. You know, I recognize that this is nothing compared to what NICU mamas deal with. But to grow a baby for nine months and think of them for however long beforehand, you don't imagine anything other than being with them once they're out. I I didn't realize this at the time, but like I wasn't the first person to feed my baby. I had to be physically moved, like I said, to see him until I was able to walk on my own. That was 
unexpectedly painful to me. And if I look back at like what was the hardest part of our story, I think like having him in the special care nursery was really, really hard on me. The next day, my doctor came in, my actual OB that had worked with me throughout pregnancy. And I think I was at that point, like I was just really stunned. And I was still just so focused on like, is my baby okay? They had to keep him there for about 48 hours to make sure he didn't have the infection that I had. And my OP said something that was, again, it was just like a nugget that couldn't have been more perfect. She said, you know, Emily, sometimes things happen in labor that we just can't understand. And this may have been your body's way saying that he was safer to come out via cesarean. He was huge. You know, when he came out, he had like a ring around his head that was very tender because I think he might have been a little stuck down there. When she said that, though, it just reinforced that like, oh, no, I did trust my body's wisdom and my body didn't fail to do its job. It actually kept me so safe that day. That was a really pivotal moment for me, too. So one of the perks of having to be in the hospital after something like that is you get a ton of help with breastfeeding. So that was super positive. We had a breastfeeding relationship that got off to an amazing start because we were in there for so long. We ended up being in the hospital for about five days because even after Owen had been cleared from that infection, he was having some trouble regulating his blood sugars, which is common for big babies. And our nurses were just so fantastic. I had told them at one point, like, I'm losing my marbles. Our, our discharge kept getting pushed back. And they helped me, like, get out and get outside. I felt like I had this squad of women who were trying to get us home as soon as possible. I had some mixed feelings about visitors, which I think is common for other C-section moms. On one hand, I could not wait to introduce our families to Owen and for him to see them and them to see him. But, you know, when they all came, I realized that, like, I hadn't had that, like, unrestricted time of just holding my baby without wires. So as, like, the day went on and I was just, like, feeling myself get more tense, like, reflectively, that's, I needed that before visitors came and had it to do over again, I think I would have maybe been more mindful about like taking care of myself that day and and giving myself that time with my son because I really, really needed that. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the big stuff. I, I can tell you that like when I see my C-section incision in the mirror, I feel so powerful. There's a beautiful drawing that I have on my Instagram account that I found shortly after Owen was born. It's like a woman holding her baby with a C-section scar and it says magic happened here. Oh my gosh. And that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. And, and now I didn't like get wheeled out of the OR cheering and feeling amazing about all of this. I was pretty stunned by all of this for a while. You know, our birth kind of represents my first really major parenting decision. And I, I'm really proud of how I handled it. I I think it's really important as women that we know we don't have to love every detail of our birth story to own the hell out of it. Um, oh my gosh! And that's, that's that how is I feel about that's it. amazing. I literally don't know how I'm going to pick a pull quote from this episode. I have written down about 20, <laughs> 20 things that you said, and I'm like, how am I going to figure this out? This is too hard. <laughs> You're very sweet. You're very no, sweet. No, I I I just. I think everything you said is so magical. And again, like, I don't feel that we necessarily need permission for to feel feelings or to make choices or decisions. But I feel like sometimes, like, well, like I said, sometimes we do need them. You know, we do need to yeah. hear. And even just hearing your story and your perspective and, you know, the good and the bad, my hope is that it does give women, should they need it, permission to 
go into a situation this in this way with an open mind and feel empowered or to process a situation that's already occurred yeah, absolutely. In, a, in a positive way. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. The only other thing that I, you know, I think I can mention again, just going back to wonderful providers. When I went in for my postpartum visit, my OB spent well over the amount of the appointment time processing with me what had happened and talking about like, Hey, so you want another baby someday? Like, what's that going to look like? So for me, I'm not interested in a VBAC. That's, I don't think that's a good fit for me and my body. But she talked to me specifically about like, hey, what could we do differently? Like, for example, I would really love to see uh, my baby pulled from my body in the future if, you know, that's mm. sort of, if you know that opportunity is given to us to have another pregnancy. I would love that. And she's like, absolutely. She was so excited to talk about like, how can we do this in a less adrenaline filled situation (laughs) in a way that will feel good to you? So I just, I appreciated her so much. It was, she was pretty lovely. That's amazing. And so now how old is Owen now? He's four and a half months. Oh my gosh. So still, I mean, you, you're barely just out of that quote unquote fourth trimester. And I'm sure, like you said, there was a lot of processing and probably still is a lot of processing going on, even though you really appear to be in a, in a very positive place. I know you recently went back to work and all of that stuff. And, and you're back in this situation where you're working with mamas. You know, how do you feel like this experience has well, I guess there's two parts to my question. <clears throat> How are are you still processing this? Do you feel like you're in a great place of acceptance with what happened? <clears throat> and or how do you feel like this experience has helped you move forward in your professional life? Yeah. You know, I don't know if we're ever done processing something like birth, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. birth is so transformative no matter how it happens. I don't know if we're done. I definitely feel a tremendous amount of Peace. And then it changes the way I, you know, I work in every way. I think, you know, the biggest thing is though I was, I had academic training, right? Like, I don't think I understood how your soul changes when you become a mother. And that's something I use differently as a therapist. But I'm also able to use my experience appropriately and self disclose appropriately with women I work with just to validate and acknowledge that, like, there are hard things, right, that ha- happen. And like, I, I know what you're talking about. Like, I know how hard it is to have your baby in the special care nursery. I, I feel that. And, you know, I've been back to work for about two months now. To, to, I came back in early July. And, you know, how I have shared about this has been incredibly meaningful. And it's just helped me connect more to the women that I work with. So while it's, again, it's not what I wanted, it has absolutely made me a better therapist in every way. That's incredible. So to, to kind of wrap up, I this has been such an amazing episode to just kind of li- li- sit back and listen and hear and have perhaps a very scary for some people experience ch- talked about in a way that feels very, I wouldn't say positive. I mean, yes, positive. Like it, it's a, just a different way to look at something that a lot of people in the quote unquote natural birth community, like paint as a very scary thing, as a very, and it, and it, there's fear, right? Like we can acknowledge that, but it can, we can also acknowledge that it can be different. Like this, like exactly what you evolve. said. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. So we can have really negative feelings immediately and we can do work to shift that, you know, regardless of what your experience was. So, you know, fear is not stagnant as human beings mm. were ever evolving. And so our emotions can evolve about this stuff too. That's incredible. So wrapping up, if you... If you had 
one last parting word to someone who's sitting here and maybe is pregnant or planning to be, or I mean, just a mama in any way, shape or form or a woman, or just, I mean, just to people in general, because there's also like, how do we support someone that's gone through something like this? What would be your, just your nugget of information that you would want to pass on to someone? Like, what do you think someone needs to hear in this potential situation? Yeah. Well, I mean, in general, if I had to pick pick like one thing to summarize, like we all get to define our birth, right? So if you have had a C-section or if you know someone who's had a C-section, don't assume that the mere fact that she had a surgical birth means that she was traumatized or that there was shame. I mean, there certainly could be, of course, but as women, we get to define and characterize our own birth experience. So with any woman and with any birth story, like let her know that you see her and let her define that experience. I think that's probably the most encompassing nugget I can, I can end on. Ugh, I love that so much. And that's just p- puts the power back into our own hands, right? Like not yes, letting someone yeah. else's opinion or someone else's experience define who we are as a person. And we're also individual and in the way we relate to the world and to our experiences individual. And ugh. I can't wait to get yeah. this episode out into the world. Oh, thank you. So thank great. you. I think as women, we it's our responsibility to celebrate each other, regardless of how we birth. Um, oh, my gosh. And so I, I really appreciate everything that you guys are doing. 100%. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you for coming awesome. on and being vulnerable and thank sharing Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you. Well, as always... If you guys, we've been getting some amazing reviews lately and you guys are just showing up for us and for the, for other women in your lives and sharing the podcast and letting them know how, how it's impacted your life. And so as always, if you really do love what you are listening to every, every week, please rate us, rate us and write us a review. If you have a chance, you can find us on social media at laura.radicalroots and at just.holdthespace. And you can email us with questions at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. Always the highlight of my day. Thank you guys for being here. And thank you, Emily, one more time. You're amazing. Thanks, Jess. Bye, friends. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.